welcome to another episode of the Advocates Academy. The Advocates Academy is brought to you by the Women and Gender Resource Center at the University of Alabama. I'm Lizzie Smith, and I'm your host. The Advocates Academy is a podcast for students, faculty, and staff who are looking for ways to engage in advocacy and social justice work on their campus, in their career, and in their day-to-day lives. We're finishing up our observance of Sexual Assault Awareness Month by speaking with Shannon today. Shannon is a survivor of sexual assault, and she's here to talk about her healing journey. In our chat today, she'll talk about the tools and resources she used to heal from trauma, loved ones who made a difference in her life, and challenges she overcame while she worked towards her recovery from a sexual assault. I'm thrilled to have her on the show today, and I can't say how grateful I am that she reached out to me and offered to share her story. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. We are here with Shannon, and she is a um, sexual assault survivor, and she's here to talk to us today about her healing journey. Uh, But before I tell you too much about what we're going to get into today, I'm going to take a minute and ask Shannon to introduce herself. So hi, Shannon. Um, Would you mind taking just a moment and telling us about yourself? Yeah. Hey, Lizzie. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about Um, my healing process and what that looked like for me. And um, hopefully I can share some things that might help other people who are going through similar situations. Um, I currently am in my last semester of school. So I will be graduating in December. Oh, congrats. Thank you. My plans are to head to med school from there. So I'm applying to med schools right now, and I'm studying to take the MCAT. So uh, it's a a weird, crazy time. It's (laughs) full of stressful things, and it's all stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't take the time, the energy, and the commitment to commit to my healing from trauma. So I'm super passionate about sharing what I've been through so that it could possibly help someone else who's in that same same space. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today and I and I appreciate that you're willing to come, you know, come on this podcast and have a conversation with me. Um so today's episode is in observance of Sexual Assault Awareness Month. It's our our kind of finale to Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And I'd like to begin by talking with you a little bit about that. Um why Why do you think that Sexual Assault Awareness Month is important? I think that um, sexual assault in general is this really taboo topic in our society that people don't like to talk about, Um, Mm -hmm. which I understandably so. It's not a pleasant thing. It's um, It's not a happy thing, but it's something that's happening to us and around us. I, mm-hmm. I know that um, I have multiple friends and myself included who have been through this, family members who have been through this. And so it's something that really affects every single person. And it's something that we're not talking about. So I think that having an entire month dedicated to continuing starting that conversation is imperative and um 
I hope that um, we can maybe one day start to see these conversations happening every day and that we don't mm-hmm. have to have just a month dedicated to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, okay, so today we're going to focus on your healing journey um, as a sexual assault survivor and the resources that you utilize so that folks out there who are hoping to support their family and friends or people who are going through this right now can can kind of get an idea about, you know, an, an example of what this might look like for somebody. Um, so how how did you connect with resources and, and what did you take away from your healing process? So I first want to say that everybody's journey through healing is different. And- mm-hmm. Um, what works for me might not work for everybody else and that this process is not like a a three-week course and then you're done (laughs) like this is something that I've been working on for years and that I'll continue to work on throughout my life Um, Mm -hmm. but I I my sexual assault was in 2015 Mm -hmm. and I didn't start Um, looking for resources for healing until the summer of 2017. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple years there where I just tried to bury everything that happened and I, I didn't ask for help because I didn't want to admit to myself that I needed help. Mm -hmm. Um, But come summer of 2017 was whenever I found myself um, at a point where I couldn't ignore it any longer. Um, Mm -hmm. And I actually am so, so grateful to the Women and Genders Resource Center because that is where I first turned to look for help. And I uh, went into the WGRC and met with Nisha, who was on (laughs) the last podcast. Yeah. And um, that was that meeting with Nisha, the intake initial meeting, was the first time that somebody listened to everything mm-hmm. that I said and fully believed me. And yeah. it wasn't, there was no blame placed on me. There was no shame surrounding the things that I was sharing with her. And I could feel that I was in a space where people understood that this was a normal reaction to everything Mm -hmm. that had happened to me and that there was hope. And that was really the first step that um, gave me hope and showed me that there, there's another side to this. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that you, that you talked about coming to see Nisha because in our last episode, we talked, Nisha and I talked about that and how, how difficult how brave that disclosure is for survivors just because, you know, you're going into a, a place that's unfamiliar and you're speaking with a stranger about something very personal and very, um, you know, and, and very traumatic that happened to you. And, uh, and, and that is so, you know, that, that can be so intimidating and so scary. But I, I think that having people like yourself come and speak about that process and talk about, you know, how how that can go well and how that can be the beginning of a healing journey makes it a little bit easier for folks. Uh, just knowing that someone else has done that 
and and that it worked for them and then it, you know it, it went okay and it wasn't it wasn't a disaster and and they weren't blamed and there was no shame yeah. um oh cool thank you um can you speak a little bit about you know your big takeaways from your healing process um being where you are in that process right now what are what are some major um things that you've kind of taken away from this journey um i think one of the main things and I, I have to remind myself of it all the time, is that as I continue through this journey and as I grow and change and experience new hardships, new difficulties, as I move on with my life past this trauma and towards the things that I was meant to do with my life, it's always it's always going to be there. And mm-hmm the things that I used to heal and cope from those feelings and those memories in the beginning of my healing journey do not necessarily look the same as what I use now. And Mm -hmm. so I think um, like being very, very patient with yourself. And um, I know when I first experienced this, it was almost like, well, I, I usually go to therapy and then I journal and like, then it's, I'm better. It's okay. I can, I can get on with my day. And whenever Mm -hmm. it stopped working, it was like, Oh, I I must be like broken again. Like I'm back Mm -hmm. to square one. And it, it wasn't that at all. It was that I just needed new tools. So I think always, um, recognizing that this is a, process and mm-hmm. as we heal we change like that's yeah. that's why we're doing this work is so that we can get out of the the space that we're in and into a better space so recognizing that things might look a little different in the beginning and um as you go and to be patient with yourself as you navigate that and figure that out awesome thank you yeah, I think that's so, so important. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that you kind of speak to this idea of what works for you at one point in your healing journey might not be what works for you forever and that that's okay. And that it's fine to, you know, to grow and to change and to look for new ways to cope and new ways to, to continue healing and growing. Uh, thank you. Uh, so speaking of, you know, you mentioned uh, just a minute ago that you found yourself in a place where you needed new tools uh, to kind of continue on um, on this healing in this healing space. Can you can you speak to that? What are what are some of the tools or messages that have been most impactful for you? Yeah, in the healing process. Absolutely. Um, so I started with just um, basic talk therapy that was offered through the WGRC which was huge for me because I never sat down and given words to all of the pain and all of the feelings that I'd been holding inside for all of those years. Mm -hmm. And so that was really my first step of acknowledging and sharing, letting someone else see that those, those wounds in me. And then I got to a point where it was like I'd shared everything and I told every piece of my story and there were these little pieces of the the memories and the traumas that I, I couldn't quite cognitively reach. 
almost mm-hmm. like like I wasn't choo- choosing to not disclose them. I just couldn't access that space where they were stored. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to the Marriage and Family Therapy Center that's also on campus. Mm-hmm. And I worked with one of the professors there who was trained in EMDR therapy. And that was a huge turning point for me of digging down into the space where those memories were hidden and stored and um, really giving my body and my mind time to work through those in their own way. And Mm -hmm. I think that if you would have come to me whenever I started looking for help that summer and told me about EMDR therapy and um, how it worked and what it looked like, I would be like, absolutely not. I do not want to do that. (laughs) That sounds crazy and I don't need that. But Mm -hmm. as I moved down that path, down that journey, um, it became something that I was open to and something that ended up being really crucial in my journey. And those are the the two big professional helps that I got, but I also had Mm -hmm. little tools that I used between therapy sessions. And when I was at home and fell down into these dark spaces and when I just wasn't feeling as good and hope wasn't as easy to see. Mm -hmm. And some of those for me include um, journaling, like I mentioned earlier, again, like giving myself space to put words to what I'm feeling and Mm -hmm. kind of release that out into the universe for someone other than me to carry. And um, yoga is also a really huge part of my healing journey, specifically Mm -hmm. in like allowing myself to reconnect with my body after that trauma and um, be comfortable and feel safe in my body again. Um, I felt for a long time almost like, like I couldn't trust my body because it had put me in that situation from the beginning. And Mm -hmm. so taking the time to allow myself to journey back into the body in a safe space where I um, was guided but also in control was a very empowering part of my healing journey. I I appreciate that you talk about both kind of professional help tools that you received but also um, you know your um, your kind of discovery of of yoga as a way of um, of coming you know, coming through that healing process too, um, because it is, you know, healing from trauma is a multifaceted thing. It isn't just, you know, you go to therapy and you're better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is a, a thing that, uh, folks come to from a bunch of different avenues. Um, and kind of coming back to that idea of, you know, uh, healing isn't the same for everybody. Um, and, and I think that the varied tools that people have and utilize and what works for one person and what works for another has a lot to do with that. Um, so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, 
continuing on this conversation about your healing journey and and because you know a big part of this podcast is that we want to offer opportunities for potential advocates and allies to learn about best practices and things that they can do um, can you can you tell us about a supportive person who helped you and what they did to help and and why that mattered yeah I actually have a few different people in my life that were um, really important to me continuing my journey and having the um, support around me that I needed to Mm -hmm. walk through this really not, it's not easy. So it's really, (laughs) this really uh, challenging time. And I think that I had support from a lot of different angles, which I was really, really grateful for. And I want to share a little bit about um, how each person, um, how the way that they responded to me and to what I was feeling helped me. Okay. Um, awesome. So the first I want to share about is my boyfriend, Tyler, who I was living with at the time. And so he was kind of the the front hand man he saw all of the (laughs) like the breakdowns and all of the breakthroughs and he saw it all and um it was I think something that was very challenging for him as well to see me going through all of that and not really have anything that he can do to fix it or make it better Mm -hmm. um so I think expecting the people who love you to um, feel that that frustration and that um, like loss of control and Mm -hmm. to be gentle with them as they are walking with you on this healing process as well but I think one of the biggest things that Tyler was able to do to help me was when I got in that space, he would Mm -hmm. just ask me, what, what can I do to help? And he would listen. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes it was, let's, let's go. I don't like, I I need to go out in the sunshine and we, we would go. Or sometimes Mm -hmm. it was just, just hold me for a minute so I can catch my breath. Mm -hmm. And I think allowing the, survivor in your life to um, really speak what they need and to have that opportunity to tell you what their body feels and what what they've learned share with you what the tools that they have and just to really listen is one of the biggest things that you can do mm-hmm. and then my uh, family who came into my healing journey a little later than my boyfriend did um, because I, uh, I was really afraid to tell them about the trauma mm-hmm. because I didn't want to hurt them. Yeah. And I think a little note on that, I, like, this is not an easy thing for anyone to hear about somebody that they love and yeah. it's totally okay to have that desire to protect the people that you love, but also to recognize that these people 
love you and they want to help you. And that was the part that I didn't see for so long is that Mm -hmm. they would rather take on a little bit of that pain and help you carry that burden to help you get better and to help you get through that time so that you can flourish and continue on with your life. Mm -hmm. So um, reaching out to my family and letting them into this healing journey with me was a huge part of um, my ability to continue on down this path. So I, um, the way I saw it was like, I was a warrior and I was fighting (laughs) to get back to my life, back to who I was, who I wanted to be. And Mm -hmm. every person that I told my story to and that I recruited was a little part of my army <laughs> and the way I saw it was like the bigger the army the faster we're gonna win this battle the more yeah. successful we're gonna be and once I saw it with that lens it was mm-hmm. like yeah let's like let's find people that I love and that I trust and let's bring them in because like we can fight this better together than we can just be in the corner alone yeah so I think just and that I that's not in an easy space to get to again if Mm -hmm. you would have told me in the very beginning of my journey like hey you need to tell everyone that loves you the most about this they're (laughs) gonna help you I'd be like absolutely not like this is my (laughs) thing to deal with and so that's another like it's a step on the the process in the journey and I don't I don't want anyone who's listening to this to sit there and be like oh like I'm never going to be able to tell my family so I guess I'm just stuck here forever because Mm -hmm. I I was there too and I was like I'm like I I'm never going to tell my mom and dad about this because it will crush Mm -hmm. them and that was what I determined and that's what I lived with for a few months and eventually I got to the space where not sharing that little piece of me was too much of a mask to wear in front of the people who had always been able to see the whole me and love the whole me. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I started to really feel comfortable to step into the space of who I really am, that was whenever I became more confident and more able to let people really see who I am. So it takes yeah. time. And I, if, if anyone uh, feels a little, little butterflies in their tummy, whenever they hear me talk about telling people, just know that that's all in your time when you're ready, when it feels right for you, there's no rush and there's no right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that. And I, and I love kind of, um, the way that you said at the end, you know, this is about, um, survivors choosing the time that's right for them and, and kind of acknowledging that idea that there is no, like, there is no right or wrong way to, you know, heal from trauma. It's, it's different for everyone. And, um, and yeah, and I'm thinking back to the conversation that we had with Nisha last week, because, uh, she talked about, uh, 
about disclosure and about, you know, some people choose to disclose to family and friends, some people don't. And there are a lot of different reasons why a person may or may not. And some of that has to do with, like you said, about, you know, getting to a place where you yourself are ready to have that conversation. Um, and for some people, you know, that just takes time. For some people, it doesn't. And and for some people, you know, um, you know, some sometimes folks are never in a place where having that conversation feels feel safe or right for them and that that's okay too we're all just kind of um muddling through uh this stuff together and Absolutely. and yeah that that healing process looks different for everybody thank you um okay um so speaking about nisha again um uh in our last episode uh nisha talked to us about the healing process and and discussed it as something that's not necessarily linear um sometimes it can feel like you're taking two steps forward and one step back or uh sometimes you know one step forward and two steps back um and uh and that that, that can be challenging for survivors that, that that itself that non-linear aspect to the to the healing process can be very difficult. Um can you speak to your experience with these ups and downs as a survivor? Absolutely. Um I definitely think that this was one of the more challenging aspects of the healing process because um that that space of hopelessness that you can enter into after a trauma is not a fun space to be in and Mm -hmm. it's not a space that you ever want to go back to. And so whenever you, um, whenever you feel what it feels like to be out of that space and then a couple weeks later, you're back in it. It's Mm -hmm. almost like, um, like you failed or like you did something wrong along the way that, led you back into this darkness and like, it's your fault, which is a very (laughs) easy mindset. I think for people who've been through something traumatic to fall into, but whenever I could remind myself that like, I don't always have to be moving forward. I, I can take a curve over here and maybe stop and listen and see what it feels like. And, I can even step backwards and sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to step backwards to be able to see which way you're supposed to go to move forwards. And it's definitely not an easy thing to realize and to feel in the moment. Um, And it's also something that I felt um, guilty about at points because Mm -hmm. now that I had, recruited this army and I had all of these people invested in my healing process it was almost like I was ashamed to be like hey I'm not feeling that great right now and yeah. like like I'd done all of this work and I was getting better and people were excited that Shannon was looking more like herself again and doing <laughs> the things that she loved and then like oof we're back in it And it was like, almost like I was um, discouraged to reach back out to those people that I had recruited to support me because I didn't want to admit to them that like I was moving backwards because that's, that's what it felt like. And, um, but that's, that's when we need those people the most. Mm -hmm. And I, I think bringing awareness and bringing attention to the fact that 
it's not a linear path. We're not always moving in a straight line. We're not always moving forward is hugely important because once we understand and believe that, then we can start to be more compassionate with ourselves whenever we experience that in our process of healing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I, and I, I, you know, appreciate that you're talking about this from a place of recognizing that it's okay to, um, to need that support again. It's okay to ask for that support again, even if, you know, for a while you felt like think you were in a better place and then you're not in that place anymore. Um, and, and, and for framing that in the context of being compassionate to yourself, because that is so important and, and can be really difficult in those, in those challenging moments when you feel like, um, when you're experiencing that nonlinear form of, or aspect to the healing process. Do you have any suggestions for friends and family who are you know, there to support a loved one who is a survivor and, uh, and, and who, who are seeing them go through that, um, those ups and downs of the healing process. What, what would you, what suggestions do you have for, for friends and families that are watching their loved one struggle? Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, I, I know that like the survivor is going through a lot in this time of healing but the people who love that person are also going through a lot and um it's also difficult I I know for those people because they don't want to make it about them right mm-hmm. because it's um like maybe their their struggles feel quite minimal compared to what the survivor is going through but I think that every feeling that everyone has is valid and it deserves time and space to be felt. And, um, so my, my first point of advice for family members that are watching the people that they love or friends watching the people that they love go through this is to take time to see how you're responding to it, how it feels for you Mm -hmm. and to really feel what you're feeling and to deal with those feelings before you, um, before you try to, I guess, tell the survivor what they should and shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, I know that that was a, a really big part of my journey whenever I was trying to decide if I was going to report the sexual assault and, um, my, my father and my boyfriend were like angry, of course, Mm -hmm. which makes so much sense. And they were like, you have to report, like, when are, when are you going to report? And sometimes that, that pressure would send me five steps back. And (laughs) it took me having to sit down with them and tell them like, I, I understand that you're angry and that that's what you want me to do mm-hmm. but like I'm I'm not in that space where I'm ready to do that right now and that can be a really difficult thing for the survivor to step up and say to those people so I want to take this moment for anyone that's listening to kind of say it for them um, let let your 
feelings be dealt with by you before you project them onto the survivor. And um, another thing that was very, very helpful from my, my army whenever I was going through that nonlinear path was if I took 10 steps forward and then took five back and then was frustrated with myself for those five I took back, then the people Mm -hmm. around me could point out to me, they'd say, yeah, but you're five steps further than you were when you started this. And that can be a really difficult space to recognize and to see whenever you're feeling down in that moment. So um, something you can do to encourage the people in your life to keep going down that path is to have them take a moment to think of who they were when they first started this journey. Mm -hmm. Because I can almost guarantee you that there is some growth from then to now and um, they just might not be able to see it right now. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, and you know, for, for anyone out there who is a secondary survivor, um, this is just a a reminder that it is okay to reach out for help too. Um, and that there are resources that are available just because this incident didn't necessarily happen to you doesn't mean that, that you don't also, you know, need somebody to talk to, need some help, need some access to resources that'll help you support your loved one and support yourself. Um, and so that's, that's okay. And, and yeah, I, I love the way that you talk about how, you know, everybody's feelings are always valid, but just because you're experiencing an emotion as a secondary survivor doesn't mean that it's appropriate or in the best interest of your loved one to put that emotion on them. Um, sometimes we need to seek those other coping mechanisms and those other resources to navigate those emotions before we... Uh, before we put them on a survivor. Um, Awesome. Thank you. Um, And then, yeah, you know, the last thing um, that I kind of wanted to talk to you about today is uh, just to ask you to kind of uh, think back and imagine if there were words of encouragement that you could have told yourself at the beginning of your healing journey, what might those have been? Yeah, I, um, So whenever I share my story, it's actually with the mindset that I'm speaking or writing the words that I wish someone would have told me then. Mm -hmm. And um, I think one of the big main ones is that you're not alone because Mm -hmm. I felt like I had these emotions and these feelings and they were complicated and no one else understood what I was going through. And that was actually the moment when I went into the WGRC and Nisha was kind of like in response to something I said, she was like, Oh, and it must be making you feel this way. Right. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like you get it. (laughs) Wow. Um, And I think it's experiencing trauma is something that can be very isolating. And if we drop into that space of, I am completely alone. No one understands. It makes it a lot harder to move forward. 
So knowing that there are people all over the world who can relate to what you're feeling and that everything you're feeling is normal and okay and that however you respond to this awful, awful thing that happened to you is it's right. You're doing what you need in that moment and that's okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think that that's a a really great place for us to end. Um, Shannon, thank you so much for being here with me today. Shannon, thanks again for talking with me and for sharing your story on this podcast. To all of you listening, thank you as well for joining us. As we move forward with the podcast, don't forget to reach out to me. If there's a topic you want to learn more about or a person you think we should speak with, you can send your suggestions and requests to me via email at easmith11 at ua.edu. If you're listening in today and you appreciate the content we're putting out, don't forget to give us a review wherever you get your podcast. This podcast was brought to you by the Women and Gender Resource Center at the University of Alabama. The mission of the Women and Gender Resource Center is to address gender inequity and foster a community that values social justice, safety, leadership, mentoring, education, multiculturalism, partnership, and research. This is accomplished by gender-related outreach, advocacy, and support to individuals and communities of all identities. If you'd like to learn more about the programs and resources our office provides, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website, wgrc.sa.ua.edu.